You're listening to Sports Radio Detroit. Welcome back to Over Under Fair, the final word in pop culture relevance. I am canceled after two seasons, Dave Roldan. Uh, I'm here to talk to you guys today about a topic near and dear to my heart, but of course I have I have compatriots. Uh, with a small but rabid fan base, Roger Castillo. Uh, I am Roger. Why did I get another season because Fox screwed me up again, Castillo? That sounds true. On It's truer in more ways than you think if yeah. you think about it. And uh, rejoining us in the studio for the first time in a while, CBS All Access exclusive, Jason Pinkham. <laughs> and I'm Jason. When the Arrowverse crumbles, we will fall, Pinkham. <laughs> How's it going, man? Uh, it's, it'll go better when I get a little more woken up with this surge that I'm drinking, much like the, our shows doesn't exist anymore. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're a throwback. Although, we're in a throwback mood. If, if, it's, if our shows are anything like it, it'll come it'll back. Get, it'll get come, yeah, it'll in come back. In 22 years. Get it's okay. Sometimes you have to wait for great things. Uh, since we're... Just dancing around it. Uh, you've already seen the title of the episode because you're not dumb. We are talking about underrated television. So that that encompasses a couple of things. Uh, some of these shows are actually incredibly well rated. So I, I guess we should also stick, uh, <clears throat> state that they are maybe underviewed or underappreciated in their time or just under discussed. Some of these shows are too new to have like a big giant kind of thing. And some of them are, you know... Some of them need an extra discussion. Well, if I may add to that, I mean, we're also in, like, the era of, like, quote-unquote peak TV. So mm. a lot of these can just get buried. Oh, yeah. There's like, so much stuff. When it's a, It is a gauntlet of brand-new TV shows every damn week, every month. is like, oh, this is going to be the one, the prestige show. Like, it's like Netflix has, like, a new original every week. Yeah, and playing to that, some of these shows are brand-ass new. Like, they've been around for, like, eight episodes. And if you play that the narrative, too, there is the, the next trend I keep noticing is trying to catch on to the next culture phenomenon TV show mm. for that next big hit. And there's so much of it. It doesn't happen like it did with Lost or the uh, Who Wants to Be a Millionaire. Right. Or it's even, a like, lack of a monoculture. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so like Survivor, it, those show, that doesn't happen. And some of the shows that we've chosen for your delight don't fit those monikers at all. I would say all of these shows. None, none yeah. of these shows are a, a landmark success. You know, in in our minds, all they all are. But as far as a as a viewing populace, they don't have numbers for some of these things because services like Netflix and Hulu, they're really weird about that kind of stuff. But some of our services just started. Some of them are yeah. on services that just started. But instead of dancing around that, why don't we actually talk about it? Uh, we've all picked two shows, and we will discuss them at length. In in so much as the time we have, so you know that kind of length. You've listened to the show before, maybe, and. Uh, I don't know. Uh, how about Roger? Roger, why don't you start us with your first selection for underrated television? So I'm going to start with the show that uh, was on FXX, I think, later. I know it started off at FX and then changed to FXX. So um, it was on from uh, 2013 to 2018, and that was The Americans. And The Americans is a show about two Russian spies who live among us as Americans, as, you know, the, the neighbors, they're just, you know, they're casual people uh, led by uh, Kerry Russell, if you're familiar with Felicity, and I'm certainly you are. Oh, absolutely. Uh, I'm very familiar. Yeah, Matthew Rise as uh, Philip Jennings, and uh, sorry, Kerry Russell's character's name is Elizabeth Jennings. Mm-hmm. 
And if you're familiar with the movie uh, The Truman Show, the neighbor next door, the, the repair guy who does all the vending machines, uh, Noah Emmerich plays Stan Beam and the FBI agent they live next door to. So, Is he related to Roland? I don't know. Um. I'm not sure. <laughs> Um, but uh, there, there's a bunch of cast of characters. Those are kind of like your regular. Those are your regulars. I mean, I think the most- an important part to mention of this is this is set in the 80s. This yes. is during the peak of the Cold War. Pardon me. So yeah, it was, I would say from 1984 or 1983, 84 to about 1989, right after the Cold War, towards the tail end of the Cold War ending. So they are spies among us, and uh, there's so much plot. But essentially, they get orders from Russia. Through the embassy and through a secret spy or network of um, agents across the country, and they carry out missions throughout the entire first couple seasons. And the more the the show gets into it, you see Elizabeth Jennings is kind of a, a cold assassinated assassin, and they're both cold and assassinated people. But as the show goes on, you see the character development from a character actor that Dave and Dave's a big fan of, and I'm a big fan of now, is in Margot Martindale, who plays Claudia, who plays like all star, all star, all star character, actress. all star character Margot actress. Martindale. She plays like the mother hen, multiple Emmy award winning. Yes, Margot Martindale. Yeah, fantastic, and she plays like the mother hen of them all, like kind of the, the real them. Make sure uh, great performance by Annette uh, Metaru, who plays Nina, who uh, most beautiful woman in the world. Yes. <laughs> And she's uh, she's a she's a pivotal character early on in the show as well. The the kids uh, get caught up in it too. The kids have uh, Paige Jennings, which plays a Holly Taylor, Canadian actress, fantastic actress. Does a really good job of she gets herself slowly but surely. She finds out what's going on. She always has suspicions, mm. and then towards the later part of the season, she ends up finding out what's going on. And you haven't watched the last episode, right? I haven't watched the last. Okay, season. Okay, so I can't say anything. Okay, so season six <laughs> noted. Um, but then you know you see. Like as Sam Beeman gets more and more involved in chasing him down, he's always one step behind him. He starts uh, having a relationship with Nina, and that affects his marriage with his uh, wife, Sandra. And the show, like I said, just kind of evolves. And, and what I love about the show, it's brutal. I mean, some of the deaths. It's very graphic. It's very graphic. for uh, And this show should be on, I mean, easily HBO. It should be on HBO Showtime. Easily. It's made in the mold of prestige television that would yeah. be, you know, the premium cable type stuff. I think... Uh, to elaborate a little bit on what you're saying, the 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 whole crux of this show focuses on the dramatic aspects of these Russian agents that are pretending to be American an American family while also having to carry out all of their all of their work in secret. Yeah, and what makes it so compelling is that they are good at each aspect of that. Like they can do that really well, but the show shows them crumbling on both ends of that as uh, it goes. Yeah, and that's what makes this show such an incredible watch because it's like, man, which shoe is going to drop on which side, you know, before someone finds out their agents or are they going to screw up a big mission? Like it's there's always just danger is right around the corner in in both their regular life and their spy life. Yeah, and and they're both and their, their day jobs are they are travel agents. So it's just th- such an excellent cover. Yeah, it is it's such an excellent cover. <laughs> oh, I got to go to Peru. It's crazy. Oh, uh, it's crazy. Yeah, yeah. and then they would leave and you know, they and, and kind of randomly leave throughout the night, and the kids accept it as canon for a while. It's just part of the job. It's part of the job, you know, and then... Mom's it, always flying. And they're both very... They try, like, Elizabeth tries really hard not to be the typical quote-unquote American. She believes in the Soviet yeah. way. She's, She's very... Much in, more so than Philip. Yeah, yeah, Philip becomes, as the season goes on, he gets that car, he gets, I think it was a Thunderbird, no, no, it was a Trans Am. <laughs> yeah. He gets really into his Trans Am, he starts country-line dancing, which is really weird, but then he has a, his side relationship with 
an agent or a secretary who works at the FBI. Who works for Stan. Who works for Stan. That whole dynamic, too, him trying to live like this by life as a, you know, a, technically a married man twice. Yeah, he's married twice. Yeah, yeah, married twice. And they have the ability to go and leave it all behind, but still pine for Elizabeth is, in terms of a psychological, that's a psychological fuck. Like, that is like, wow, dude. Like, they have the ability, but it, you're right. It does take a toll on them. But what I love, what I absolutely love about the show is it doesn't beat you over the head. It's like, hey, we're in the 80s. Hey, we're in the 80s. Remember all these 80s cliches? Yeah. Ah, we're going to play 80s music. Ha, ha, ha. It's the the subtlety of it all, but it's the ability to see them, like, just the, the flaws and some of the shock value. I mean, what happens to poor... Uh, <laughs> no, no spoilers. No, spoilers. no, no. We just, want people to watch this. The, well, the poor characters. All yes, the poor characters. There are there's many some, unfortunate characters. Yeah, there's many unfortunate characters. But even um, Frank Laglia, who you might know as uh, Skeletor Frank from Langella, He-Man. Frank Langella. Frank Langella. Yeah, he ends up being their handler at one point. Too. Yeah, who also is Skeletor and He-Man. I yes. just want to throw that out there. Yes, he is. Um, and he never came back, even though he told us he would. Yeah. Um, <laughs> does, and, and, Martha, and Martha, by the way, Martha is my favorite character. And that's it's a, it's a weird look, but I, yeah. I I respect you. Yeah, it's only because like she, this poor woman gets through all through, uh, just gets grinded yeah. through, and she still manages to do it all. And above all, I honestly recommend the show because while it's been critically acclaimed, it's still not up there in terms of the popular echelon. Right they they had a they had a really good run, and they the show got a lot of it was lauded. You know, like while it was on, it won awards. It was definitely a show that everybody respected. It is in the short conversation of recent history of best TV shows of like the past 10 years. All of that is true. But because FX is just beholden to the creator at that point, they let the show continue. But the show didn't have an audience. Like It was, it was definitely, I would argue, criminally underseen. Yeah. Jason, as somebody who didn't watch the show through the same way that me and Roger did... So what was what was your initial impression of the show having to watch it for like the first time? Let me complete your sentence and I never will. <laughs> okay. uh, mostly it might just be because of my state of mind right now. I'm I'm more of like in a comedy kind of mood. This show is definitely not funny. Uh, yeah. But no, but it it is it was hilarious in the sense of when you're not committed to the show and there's two people just pulling out the side just like I think you might be onto us. She's like, "You know, you want to do that. We should defect." And I'm just laughing cuz it's like kids playing. So for me, there was a, a big disconnect where it's like, maybe it's because I've seen too many of this, like, let's build tensions, let's show fucking, let's show murder, let's show, you know, all this stuff, and let's add a lot of stress to people in, in situations they might have been in or would never be in or whatever. For me, there's a disconnect there, maybe, like I said, because I've seen so many of these, like, this was the most peak TV of the shows we selected. In defense opinion. of the show, I, I agree with you that this has become a thing, Yeah, but it's not... Because you could think, prattle off 20 of these. Sure, but I don't think that that is... I think this show does it better than all of those shows. That's why it's so good, because it is definitely working. It's it's firing on all cylinders to make the drama realized, and it's really, really great. I'm it. not saying that it doesn't, but I've seen... Liter- I can literally, while you were talking, I named three dual, double life meeting each other head, shows in my head that all did it perfectly. All right, well, name Breaking them. Bad, Mad Men, there Sopranos. Like, all right, that's fine. So I... I I don't need that anymore. Like, and I'm not and saying that that's, like, that's not. I agree. It doesn't do what it level, does great. But, but like, once I've already seen that done so well so many times, it, it like I don't want to watch The Godfather Part Two again. You know what I mean? Or, yeah. Again and again and again and again and again and again, again. Like, dual lives meeting is a problem for me. That being said, it is beautifully shot, perfectly acted, and well written. And I get that there's a lot there, but 
Like I said, I think I've just done too much of this over the last, like, specifically the last, like, five years. Sure. I mean, to add to that, really, I, I guess the duality of it all, the reason why I think it's different from the little shoes you just mentioned is because it's probably close to real life and as, as, as realistic as possible. I mean, it, I mean, I've never watched, I've watched a couple episodes of Breaking Bad. I understand the premise of it all, but I don't see a meth or a teacher become a drug dealer in real life. You know, the duality of that character, yes, that is something that I think a little bit too my at least in my opinion a little extreme that and this this is based in a reality like yeah. this was a this is based on the notion that this actually happened during the cold war so there are there is a there is a thread of truth through this that there were agents like placed in the United States under guises of Russian state that were you know carrying out some secret shit so it has that going for it yeah. which I also think is kind of a neat wrinkle who yeah. did this show uh, FX? No, no, no. The the showrunner. In terms of the oh, in terms of writers, like, was, wasn't he from something else? I don't remember what he did before this. Okay, I was wondering if it was like a Sopranos. Uh, I, it's Man not an alum. Okay. No, it's I, it's a, it's his own thing. Uh, okay. Joe Joe uh, Weinberg. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. Has he done anything else since, or is he going to do anything else? Do we know? I'm not positive because okay. this this uh, the Americans wrapped last year. Okay. So, uh, he he originally wrote Falling Skies and Damages. So oh, okay. Two shows I've never seen. No, oh, the movies. Right? I think they're movies. They're even even yeah. better. <laughs> Still haven't seen them. Yeah, but oh, he has he has this, and this is oh, he wrote exemplary a, an ordinary spy. Oh, all right. Well, he has he has a little bit of root in this. Then yeah, I think to your point, uh, part of part of what makes this compelling, apart from the duality stuff being wrote, you know, that I understand that. But I think what the most interesting aspect of this duality kind of uh, show is is that it's it's a couple. Like, in these other shows, it's generally speaking focused on one man. That's usually what these are. Yeah. The Sopranos, Mad Men, and even Breaking Bad to an extent. But this is a a nuclear family that is the two characters and their children who have no concept of what it is they're doing and is it's dangerous to them. And they they are living a double life where all of the stakes matter all the time. The worst thing that would happen to Tony is that he'd go to jail. Like, that's that's fine. You know what I mean? He knows that. That's part of the score. These people are putting their lives on the line. Tony's not out there in the shit getting dirty when he's, you know, he has people to do that for him. They are out there, you know, taking out contract kills on people, you know, in broad daylight sometimes, having to, you know, shuffle people around from place to place under the cover of night. Like, Tony's not out there doing that they, stuff. Or killing an old elderly woman. Yeah, yeah. Like, they, they're, the, the tension and the pressure that is on them to succeed at both, you know, implanting, you know, the, the seeds of a Russian state in america and also you know being like pta members is is an an interesting and a unique pressure that i think is is better exemplified in a show like this than it would be mad men that's that's not to say that what you're saying is wrong i actually agree with you and was kind of on the fence when i first started watching the show for that same reason but after watching like the first whole season i i was hooked the the aesthetic of this show is so great you know like Roger said, it, it is definitely set in the '80s, but it isn't beating it over the beating you over the head with it, despite having an incredible '80s soundtrack to back all of this too. So, I don't know, man. I just think that this show, on the whole, is is 100 watchable, and and like I, I totally agree with Roger that this should be a show more people see. And I'm not, I, and make no mistake, I'm not putting it down in any way. Right. I, I think know. it was well, a disconnect. I'm sorry, I don't want to yeah. sit here and I'll have all of this yeah. like, yeah. well, I'm not trying to be mean. I'm not trying. No, no, to no, no, this, no. Like, I know your point. I, I just I, wanted to clarify that I'm not putting down the show. It's just I'm not. I, I've a had my fill of drama, dramatic, murdery, fucky shows, and I've had b 
I'm more in like a I need to laugh headspace, probably because I'm a month out from a or a week out from a movie that's going to make me probably sad and cry a lot. <laughs> sure. So I'm like needing to laugh a lot for the last month or so. No, and I, I get your point. Your point, yeah. no, it's a good point. It's it, it is kind of the when you talk about the duality thing, it does get kind of sometimes beaten over your head a little bit. So no, I, I totally get what you're saying. Also, if I may, I just I lead a pretty stress free life, so I don't need the outlet of like. Seeing these people deal with stress, because I'm just like, well, that's just hard. And this is what works, though. Like, the, if if anything, the reason that we're seeing more of these shows is because they are good. Like, yeah, they, no, and they it's, are yeah. well regarded, and people enjoy cinematic. them. You know, and yeah, cinematic is 100 percent the word. This is easily the most prestige show that we have on our list. It's just 13 so, movies. Yeah, a year. we're we're getting that one out of the way first because this is like the one that we could. It, there's a lot. There's not a lot to have to defend about a show like this. No, you, you like you like this sort of thing, or you don't. Like it's it's a it's a high concept drama that is very well shot and produced. But like, if you don't, this you is the one. If you don't, you can't say it's bad. Sure, like because I don't <laughs> like it, and I won't say it's bad. Right. Like that's it's just objectively a well made thing. It is it's, at a minimum it is beautiful. It like, is beautiful, and it is. I'm I'm sad. It's gone. like I really liked. I, I actually will say I really liked one scene with because I only watched the pilot, and it was, even honestly, it was a chore to get through. But like that. That shopping scene where he's trying on boots and like looking at him in the mirror and like trying to dance a little bit and then like <laughs> yeah, Philip's great. His daughter's like, "Stop, Dad!" And he's just like, "That was a really fun scene." And I'm like, "Okay, that's there's fun. a lot of that. Yeah. Like, there's yeah. a lot of Philip being a dad yeah. in the show that Elizabeth doesn't really make it to because she's she's really cold. <laughs> yeah, so. yeah. Well, because then he immediately tries to defect to America and she's like, "Yeah, are you? She's not having me? it. Yeah, yeah. she's yeah. not. She's not about that life. Especially because like when the more he gets into the American culture, the more she she resents him in a way. But oh yeah, that's true. That's real life. Yeah, but just sometimes." His his even like his faces where he's like he's asking son about his day and he's just like huh like the typical dad moment he, yeah. he goes to dad moment as well and Philip 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 takes really well to being like an American yeah. father he's definitely he's definitely cut out for it so it is a shame to watch him have to do all this shady shit on the side yeah Elizabeth when he like, would rather just you know play Atari and then you know <laughs> drink a beer yeah watching football yeah or yeah or watching the ho- or hockey but my favorite is Elizabeth's just like do you know realize how much we've worked with you. <laughs> Yeah. You know, bread lines. She bread is lines. hardcore. Yeah. She is hardcore. All right. Um, speaking of hardcore, hardcore Jason Pinkham. <laughs> speaking of hardcore, the exact yeah. opposite. I know. So we're going to take a giant 180 <laughs> to talk about Jason's first show. Uh, we're going to uh, 180 in time travel and go to a different dimension to talk about DC's Legends of Tomorrow, which is, uh, honestly, at my, if I'm being honest, it is the pulpiest, like, most goofy thing after the first season, which this is a little bit of like miscommunication on my part. I should have emphasized to my co my partners on this episode. Start in season three. Like you don't need the history. It's I did not a little important. bit of plot summarizing after the first season, so I'm, I'm a okay. little I'm like, a little caught up. See, like there okay, so this show, Legends of Tomorrow, it's about uh like four or five varying from three to six, because it depends on the season. Uh hero like they're not heroes though. They're they've all be, they've all been kind of failures. Like each one of them on their own shows, because they all come from different shows, were like, I'm going to be the next guy. And then the, the guy on the show was like, no, you're not. So what shows do they come from? Uh, okay, a, so Adam uh, was on well, what, is it So this is like a CW thing? Is yeah. this like all the Yeah, this is all these all are the all on CW. Properties? They're all in the Arrowverse. Okay. Uh, so Adam, which is played by Brandon Routh, uh, was like a romantic uh, rival to uh, Oliver Queen on Arrow for a while. Uh, and then he he becomes the Adam. And he's hired by, uh, I forget, I honestly forget the guy's name that runs the Legend of Tomorrow because he hasn't been on in a season now. Like Gunner or something, the blonde guy. Oh, I don't, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's a stupid name and he's an overly wrought character. Uh, His family was murdered. Yeah. 
and then Hawk Man or something is also I think from Arrow, and then Hawk Girl comes from Hawk Man. Uh, and there's the, the, I forget the Steel guy. He came I think from Arrow. Uh, and then Katie Lotz, who plays uh, the Canary or the white the girl who dresses in all white and is a ninja comes from uh, Arrow and Flash. She was also on Flash a little bit. Uh, it's mostly just from Arrow. They're mostly just cast offs from Arrow because Arrow can't carry a fifty per- seven person cast. Okay. Uh, so they just took all these like characters that have something of a story, and they're just like, mm, go over there. And uh, they also have uh, what's his name? The, the two people that combine to make one uh, Firestorm. Oh, Firestorm. Yeah, yeah. And he's from Flash. He is straight up just from Flash. Uh, he's a metahuman. Well, they are a metahuman from Flash. Uh, and I, I think. I, I found it intriguing because when each of those characters' episodes I actually liked on their own shows. Uh, but when you combine them all, it's it's kind of just fun. But the important thing about this show isn't the first two seasons because it's kind of a slog. It's 22 episodes that are for some reason an hour. Uh, each one is a chore to, to watch. It's a chore to get through. But then uh, the writers of the show and most of the people who created the show – Thought they were going to be canceled after season three. Like it was, it was no, it was no, it wasn't a secret that uh, Legends of Tomorrow was kind of like the ridiculous redheaded stepchild of the Arrowverse. You know, Flash is doing bangbusters numbers. Supergirl was legitimately a CBS show before it moved to CW and just tore up all the numbers. Arrow is Arrow. You everybody knows Arrow. So then there was just this other show, Legends of Tomorrow, that was just way off in the background. And they just abandoned all hope, and they started like taking. They took Damian Dark from Arrow and made him the bad guy again, and they just started doing whatever they wanted to do, and just started like, yeah, okay, now everybody's a bird, now everybody's a puppet, now we're gonna fight cats. Like it just started getting weirder and weirder and weirder. And then the most recent season, they brought back Constantine from that failed Fox show, and he's just an absolute delight because it's. It's the first time I've seen the portrayal of a bisexual character where they don't talk about how he's bisexual constantly, which is really nice to see. Uh, but like they've since they've abandoned all hope, they've just they've gotten very tongue and cheeky. They've gotten way more comical, and then they also just embrace the weird. Like whenever an idea comes up, they'd be like, "Okay, well we need to get these guys from here to here, but how would we get there without this big thing in the way?" They're like, we'll just put the fucking big thing in the way. And then they do it. Like, well, we couldn't do that normally. They just do it. Generally speaking, I am a fan of anything that shows up with Gorilla Grodd at any point. <laughs> so there's there's 100% like you get kudos for that every single time. Mm. I, uh, I To your point, I watched a few episodes of the first season of this. And it's definitely taking itself too seriously. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah. Even, even in a comic, like a kind of a comic way. Um, I had to put aside personal biases because I do not. I do not care for Wentworth Miller. I kind of find that guy unbearable. And he's, which one is he's, he? He's uh, Captain Cold. He's, he's Captain, Captain Cold. Cold oh, in the, in okay. The first I forgot about him. See, he's gone by four or right. three. Like he's just disappeared. So I, I don't like that guy. Yeah, <laughs> I kind of hate his face and I hate him talking. Um, I love Dominic Purcell though, the dude who is, the is his immediate fire opposite. Guy. Yeah, he was. Yeah. Both of those were also from Flash. Yes. So uh, also both from Prison Break. Hilarious. Yeah. So. Which is a show I hated, which is probably why I hate that guy. Probably. Anyway, that's not why we're here. Um, I I did have a weird level of enjoyment watching this, though. Like a a very campy, over the top, you know, like superhero ensemble of like lesser known or lesser than characters, which is nice to have a space for them to play in because there's so many superheroes in in general, you know, within comics and television stuff. It's nice to get an outlet for other kids to play in the sandbox. Yeah. And I appreciate what they're going for in this show. 
I will not continue to watch it, but that's mostly because I don't want to watch another show. There's just too many things. No, and that's fair. I think I think what they what they embraced on the show, on the show in the third season is that they basically took what the what they were viewed as as a show and made the characters on the show that, which is to say, they are constantly viewed as fuck ups. And everything they yeah, do they, is they, a fuck they, up. Yeah, they detail that from the first episode. Yeah, like, you guys like, are just kind of fuck ups. No, no, I mean, like, even as Legends of Tomorrow in season three, they start, everything they do is actually just fucking up. Yeah. Like, they don't actually win ever. Like, that's, that, and that's to their credit, to actually the writer's credit, that's how you uh, propagate, or not propagate, that's how you uh, further along a show like that, where it's like, instead of just constant escalation, which shows like Arrow and Flash suffer from, where it's like, well, last season was, got, you know, last, like on Flash, you see this, last season was reverse, reverse Flash. What are we going to do now? Zoom. And then we're going to do Godspeed. Like, <laughs> it, everyone has to be better and faster, and I got to run faster and train harder. No, just keep fucking up. That's way more fun. Well, I think what they're trying to do, because, I mean, as much as I've watched the DC Universe, DC Universe compared to the Marvel is such a strange hmm. thing, especially because like each like you talk about Flash, Flash and his Central City villains. The Central City villains are to me lame, like you know Captain Cold or you know Heat Wave. It's you know even like some of these guys are Justice League hero rejects. I mean, it's a C squad in some cases. If you're looking at the DC canon from the comic books to the cartoons, which which is what I was trying to take away. Like I, I started my mind blank, going okay. Do not associate Firestorm with the version that you saw in the eighties. That is this, you know, and like how they came together, or what Adam is, you know, and and like just even like uh, uh, the Steel guy. Um, uh, I don't know his name. Uh, oh, uh, yeah, he's just Steel. Let's just call his yeah, name. He's Steel. He's a nothing character. He's yeah. the only downside in the show, uh, in my opinion. Even the Wally West and Barry Allen angle from the Flash and everything. It's it's really bizarre. But what I liked about it, however, and it's the same thing among CW shows that I've just noticed too. Because you know, I watch, I do watch Supernatural. You can judge me all you want. I don't care. That's fine. I would never. Um, but su- it has that kind of like element of team camaraderie, and they're they're working together. They're always working. Like the, the, I watched the first couple episodes of season one, and then a couple episodes of season two, and it just reminded me of watching the show from the eighties called Time Traveler or Voyagers, and it's just really kind of the same kind of premise where, uh, even to elements of the Quantum Leap a little bit. It's I, I liked it. I liked the, the superhero part of it. I love Brand- and, and by the way, I mean honestly, as uh, Brandon Roth as Adam, I was able to take that away that he wasn't Superman before. You know, you can take that away and he's his own individual know it all. You know, like I have all these gadgets and I really enjoy him. Yeah, I, I do too. What I saw of him. Yeah, yeah. I thought he, he gets little- weird by season three and kind of more enjoyable. It's too bad that Hawk Girl is not around because Clara Renee is a very attractive woman and she did a really good job. That Hawkman, Hawk Girl character, the them being like forever together kind of thing. That whole story arc in season one, which was you know the first two pilot episodes, if you will. Uh, I like that too. And and honestly, this show, if I had uh, his, would, I would go back on Dave would say it. I would have had more time because John Constantine is. They've done this really well in the cartoons, in the DC cartoons done them really well. So I'm, I would I actually would go and watch season four and just to see Constantine or when he starts becoming part of the show. I think it's season three. Season three. Yeah. I like I like that character a lot. I like I I know people think that Keanu Reeves did a crappy job as Constantine in the movie. That movie's fine. I, that movie's I'm fine, fine too. with the movie. Yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm fine with the movie too. I don't know why it's get so much crap, but uh, um, if he is a he is what Rip should have been. Like I remember the name. Rip, yeah. Yeah. Rip, yeah, Rip Hunter. Yeah, Rip Hunter, which <laughs> is 
like a 15 year old name. It sounds like a it sounds like a 90s DJ. Rip Hunter on the air. Literally an edge lord, but no, it, like it is like it is exactly what that is supposed to be. Like you want to do the blonde Englishman, you make him weird and not give a fuck about any of this, which is exactly what what Constantine is. He's just like, no, I don't I don't care about any of so this. So do they keep yeah. up the conceit of the show where they're jumping all over time? That's oh like yeah, the whole thing, no big right? time, yeah. no big time. Okay. Yeah, 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 no, so, no, no, for sure. We, we didn't really explain but, that at the top. So the yeah. whole the whole. They're crux of this show. Anachronisms. Yeah, okay. Uh, but it starts in season one and two with like the goal, the Rip's actual goal is to fix the things that the Arrowverse has fucked up. Like specifically, like Flashpoint created the show, more or less. Like Flashpoint's existence and all of the time ripples it creates is what creates this show. Because Flash goes back in time and stops him from being killed. I don't know if you guys know the story yep. of Flashpoint. Mm-hmm. I know you do. Because <laughs> we've talked about it extensively. He's pointing at Roger, not yeah, at me. Yeah, sorry, Roger. <laughs> For the listener at home. No, Dave, well, I do not Dave is a well-documented not-comic book fan. Eh, uh, I like comic books okay. Yeah. I just don't care for all of their spinoffs and things. Um, but this show exists to fix that. And then later on, and what it becomes is fixing their own f- fuck-ups, to be honest. Like... From fixing the paradoxes and the time mistakes, they have to then move to fixing what they've fixed. And then it just starts getting dumb. And that's when I think it's the most fun. And uh, to the point to the point where, it, you know, if you are interested in this show at all, flash forward straight to season three, second to last episode, or its last episode, uh, they, I, I'm just going to spoil it because it doesn't matter because none of this show matters. That's what's most fun about it. It's just fun. It's just, it's literally just fun if you want to just put on and laugh. I honestly, I like the campiness. It's yeah. not 70s campy, but it's like that kind of, like I said, it's like that. I don't know what, D, I don't know what CW does with some of these shows, but like the, almost like a, like a buddy comedy, not buddy comedy, but just, I, I can't describe it to you. It's, it's, it's that DC, DC has a certain cheesiness to it. Yeah. There's some of the characters, some of the powers, like, you know Shazam, which I heard is a really good movie. It is. Shazam was good. Yeah, Shazam was good, but like the elastic guy who has this weird like spandex looking dude. Oh, and we'll get to one later. Yeah, there's there's all these sorts of weird. You don't want the you know and we'll get, yeah yeah. Uh, there's all these characters in DC that you're just like, what the hell is going on? And DC Legends Morale captures that to a T, I think, and that's what I like about it. It captures like Batman, super serious. Superman, Superman. Wonder Man's Wonder Woman's Wonder Woman. So on and so forth with that main cast. These characters, however, are the ones that are always in the background and they have that kind of story going. Oh, well, this is what they do. And I mean, through the given the premise of traveling through time. No, I, 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 I honestly has a replay value to me. I would, I would watch it again. Heatwave is literally just a guy with a hot gun. Yeah, like that is it. And he is Cole- a guy with a flamethrower and yeah. a guy with an ice gun. That is only that is they have no powers, yeah. no training. They're just criminals who got guns. Yeah, and that's it. And, 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 uh, you know what, it, Jason? They're always you know what I notice about them too. They somehow you don't see a lot of fighting scenes because it's the same move. It's punch, kick, gun. Yes, punch, kick, gun. exactly. Yes. Uh, uh, actually, you know what? I won't do the spoiler one. I'll do the one that opens the season because it's less important. The, the the thing that would sell anybody on this is the start of the newest season, the one that's currently on the air, which I think is three. Might be four. I can't it's remember. It's four. Now. It's four. Is it four that's yeah. on the air? Okay. So the start of season four, uh, they're like, you guys, we got to go back in time. We got to fix all our anachronisms because that's what we do. It's our show. Uh, and they go back to Woodstock and Constantine's like, there's a demon here. We got to kill it because Constantine knows of all these things because he's Constantine. And this uh, uh, on the top of the hill at Woodstock, there is a unicorn, and there is a, hi- a hippie girl looking at her, and she's like reaching her arms out. And she's just like a unicorn, and like and the whole Legends of Tomorrow are standing there in their like 
garb for the 60s and they're like it's a fucking unicorn like they don't even know how to process it and then the unicorn stabs the woman and eats her and i'm like this is the best show i've ever seen in my life and they immediately have to chase the unicorn down and kill him and in the process of doing so he rips off one of their nipples <laughs> i'm like yep this is the greatest show that's ever been on television i'm 100 percent pot committed like they've just abandoned all hope of being serious they're ripping nipples off with unicorns and stabbing people and eating them with unicorns 100 percent in that's it's good to know what you are. And if it takes three or four years to get there, that's all the more better. You got, it, the, you got that chance. Sure as shit, guess what happened? They got renewed already for next season. Yeah. So like, as soon as they were just like, yeah, we're going to be weird, they were like, yeah, you're good at being weird. You get another season. So that part makes me happy. Uh, yeah, I'm into it. That's that's not bad. I may actually check some of this out. I'll jump around. You know, you just honestly it. just skip the first two. It's so bad. Like with <laughs> Wally showing up like, oh, I need to be a hero somewhere. And yeah, then, yeah, God. Cut, Shut the uh, fuck up, shocker, boy. that guy's gone off of all the DC. Good. Movies. That guy's the worst. Uh, and then, uh, yeah. No, it's, it's, it's way too heavy at the beginning. But when it gets past that, it just starts being like, we're going to be weird. Then it's fun. But Dave, what's your show? Oh, well, I, was, I wasn't ready for my show. I want I you to be, be ready. Though. I can be. I am ready. Just, just, like the, just like the topic of the show, I don't know if I'm ever ready for any of it. Because dealing with it is hard. And uh, no pun intended. Uh, my first show is Pen15. It is currently running on Hulu. It is a one-season wonder right now. So I um, I don't know if they've been extended yet, but this show needs to be watched before we get to the point where it is or isn't extended because it is great. Um, it's set in the, 2000, like the year 2000, so it's the early 2000s, turn of the century, which is always weird to say, but it's technically true. That's yeah, weird. Um, it's created by Maya Erskine and Anna Conkle, who also play the main characters. So... The whole gist of the show is that it is set in middle school in the year 2000, but it is it is through the eyes of two adult women who are playing fictionalized versions of themselves in middle school because they're about the age that this would have, you know, taken place. And uh it's really surreal <laughs> to watch two women in their 30s portray like, you know, 13-year-olds. Uh I really appreciate how weird the show is willing to get, given that they are adults, but the entire rest of the middle school cast are all middle school children. Yep. So it is two adult women p- playing against a bunch of 13-year-olds, and it is really uncomfortable. <laughs> it's really uncomfortable. It is very, very like brutal with the honesty of having, to, having been that age and what 13 is and the, the weird sexual stuff that you're going through and the hormonal stuff you're going through, your family stuff, your school stuff, trying to fit in and be popular while also trying to be yourself, et cetera, et cetera. Like a uniquely 13 year old viewpoint through the eyes of these like 30 ish year old women. And I think the show is fucking amazing. (laughs) Um, I have not finished it yet. I have, I have saved like the last two or three episodes for myself to watch because I am going to be sad that there are no more. I watched the first five in like one night, just chomping at the bit to keep going through the show. I think it is an incredibly fresh way to look at something that easily could have been not fresh. Like I, 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 I like the idea of being able to get away with doing some things because you're not using children. Like there are, you know, there's an episode entirely about masturbation, and it is done with the main characters as being the focal point of this because you don't want to show 13 year olds masturbating. Like, it's, I understand their reasoning to not want to do that, 
But I think it's a cool chance that they took in doing it anyway. Like they they are portraying thirteen year olds, so suspension of disbelief. It is a grown woman you're looking at, but she's supposed to be thirteen. And yeah, we were all weird and wanted to jerk off at thirteen. I totally get it. Uh, I think the it's the, it's the voice of the show that I think is so is so cool and so refreshing. Like it's it's such a it's such a cool look for them to be able to spin this back to something that is instantly recognizable to kids who were that age. Like I was a little bit older than they were in 2000, but it's definitely, I remember all of this, you know, like the AIM and the kid that always wore a wrestling shirt and, you know, like, well, yeah, the NWO shirt was a welcome (laughs) sight. Just all of this stuff from that year and from those, that, that era that is so instantly recognizable to me that I think is super great. Uh, Roger, Tell me about your time with this show. Well, first and foremost, you talk about the the the, the, the age of the show. Uh, same thing, like because my wife unfortunately likes the Goldbergs, and I, I don't like that show at all. I've tried. I like the Goldbergs. I, I can't. I, I'm sorry. I just it, it's a bit much, but I do generally like it. They are like, hey, how many cliches we could put in there? <laughs> right, it, it is definitely that. That they don't do that. And when I look, no, this the, is the complete opposite. Yeah, of that. the complete opposite of that. Even like the little, the subtle things, like the makeup, that makeup um, container. I forgot the name of it, but there was, there was really popular in the late 90s, early millennium that everybody had. Like yeah, the, yeah, yeah. looks like a fishing tackle like a box. Caboodle or something. Yeah, Caboodle. Yeah, yeah, something like that. <laughs> the, su- the small subtlety, stuff like that. Uh, of course, great song by Bikini Kills, which is Dem Rep, which is a fantastic song for the intro. Word. Uh, the music all over that show is fun. Yeah. This is a year after I graduated high school, so it began on August 28, 2000. So I'm still in that, you know, I can understand the whole mindset there. Even... When she's talking on the phone and the AOL sound goes off and she's like, Mom, I'm trying to talk on the phone. And oh, God, yeah. The yeah. phone the phone and the internet being able to run at the same yeah, time. Yeah, that was fantastic. Oh, man. Um, Sending faxes. Yeah, Maya's Ace Ventura routine was that I was in <laughs> tears. I, I, I was in tears the entire time because she took an awkward moment, that moment you had, and she ran with it versus what anybody else may have done, which is either you, revert, either you run with it or you fail miserably. And she did not fail miserably. And... Uh, and then when she finds out when her brother tells her what that word means for ugly and everything and that whole yeah it, and it's so it's it's so relatable like yeah I, you know, the big for, brother dynamic anybody, yeah, yeah for anybody that was of a certain age in the two thousands the show will tug a lot at heartstrings and I'm not that's not the reason I think it's great I think the show is actually great it doesn't hurt me personally though as someone who trades in nostalgia to have this thrown at me again like yeah i i appreciate that and what i like about it too is that they and i only watched the first three episodes i fell, fell asleep halfway through the third one but that's a ringing endorsement no 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 no, no it was <laughs> oh i watched also watched it at like 11 i know i know i know but uh what i liked about it too is the the, the friendship dynamic they don't do anything together they step off the school together they and then that moment in the in the garage where they you know the eighth grader oh, he's eight He's so what? He's fucking hot. <laughs> that line, I knew that line was one of my favorite parts of that show. It's just like he's, well, he's fucking hot. It's and just, it's just an eight year old kid. <laughs> yeah, and the kids talking about like, oh, my grandma died. And she's <laughs> like, uh, that's not relatable to me at all. It's just that moment itself, oh, but just shit. the even like the, the the little things that I appreciate too. The bolt when she fixes her hair because that's something my mom oh, would do. God, you know, that's yeah. a, that's a good one too. But uh, they take a serious moment. And it somehow, like, it gets down to, like, a moment where it gets really serious, and then they bring it up with some really funny stuff, and it just, I don't know, I, I'm going to finish watching it today. That's how much enthusiasm I have for the show. I, And I, I think I, I diverged just a little bit, and in, in not in the sense of, this is not as much of a divergence as it was with, like, the Americans, but this was more like, 
the sex stuff is uncomfortable to me. Where it's like not like not in the uncomfortable that's good and it's not like it's forcing me to see something. I don't need that acted out. You don't need the vibrating uh uh, pussy looking thing that they did no, with the underwear. I, I, I mean, I get. I, I, sorry, again, I see sorry the, to be so frank. Sorry. I can see the comedy and all that stuff. Yeah. I, I appreciate oh, that it's funny, but God. I don't. I don't need that. I, I don't. I don't like it being there because it's like they're doing this like closet makeout thing, and I, I the whole time I can't enjoy or focus on the scene because I'm just like, that's a child. That's a child. That's a child. It's I can't get past that. And normally, I mean, you know, I throw that shit to the wind. I don't really care, but. This is so jarring because they are so old and the, the the cast is so young. Yeah. And it's like when they're off doing their own thing, I'm laughing my ass off. Like I filmed and sent the whip it thing to like 10 people. Because <laughs> I've done exactly that. When does it hurt? Yeah. I've done yeah. exactly Same that. Same here. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, no. That I, I like I, I was like scream <laughs> laughing and crying and almost throwing up. And like the you haven't seen it yet. The drum solo. I'll say no more. You know what I'm talking yep, about. Yep, yep. Scream laughing at. Great. But the thing that frustrates me is, like, it seems like they're like, well, we know we're funny, so let's just make this thing that we think we, like, they think it's, they they want to tell their story, and I respect that, but, like, for me, it's just really jarring and uncomfortable, and I also just have that, like, little nagging thing in my head where it's, like, I know a lot of people at work who are, like, conspiracy theory people who think that, like, everything's about child sex, and this doesn't help. So if if it's being added to, sex, I know, though. but if it's being added to the public conscious, it's like that fuels that fire. I do. You know what I mean? I, I, yeah, I disagree with that too. I know what mm. you're saying, but I don't think that's in play here. This, this is a show about 13 year old kids. Whether or not they are actually 13 year old kids is irrelevant to it's, what they are a, talking that's about. That's what's uncomfortable. They, that's because fine. they're not. If, it, if you are uncomfortable with it, I, then you're uncomfortable with it. Like, I can't tell you to be comfortable. But if the show was everything but the sex stuff, I think I would, I would be screaming if over you about how great it is. If the show was everything but the sex stuff, though, it wouldn't be an actual portrayal of what it was to be 13. Yeah, it, like, yeah but I don't need that. I, I think it's incredibly, I think it's an incredibly fresh. Like, way to look at that. I mean, like, Big Mouth is the same thing, but it's animated, so it's easier for some people to digest. Because it's, it's all adults portraying 13 I give it the... And that's, I was going to compare it right. exactly to Big Mouth. Right, and that, that it, opens, it invites that comparison because all adults voicing the same children. Perfect. But that's what makes this so much, in my mind, so much more enjoyable for me to watch, is that it is a realized thing with actual kids participating in it. So they're not having sex with children. I want to put that out here and just say that. Anytime that there would look like there would be a scene of someone doing something with a child there's like a way to veer that out of happening you know like the the scene in the closet where maya is potentially <laughs> going to make out with that kid and then she's like just acting all weird to try to get out of doing it yeah. so they're yeah. they're walking a line where they are clearly aware of the fact that what they would be doing is illegal so they don't do it but what makes the show so interesting though is that they are doing their very best to treat this as if they are actually middle school kids and i think that they are really good at that like yeah, absolutely they're they're acting in such a way that is so convincing of that age that they're acting like better 13 year olds than the 13 year olds on the show and that's throwing that's like a level of acting that i super respect that these women can pull off i also really appreciated like the little like the kid uh, again in the solo episode where he's like constantly pushing his hair back. Alex oh my god, it's the tiniest yeah. little thing yeah. that they're always doing. Yeah, like there is that kid or the who's pier- constantly flipping his hair. The, the, or the tiny note. Yep, yep, yep. The world, tiny, the tiny note with like little tiny font. Yeah, just like look at through a microscope. Yep, yep, that. Yeah, yeah. No, it it 
those things I will 100% vouch for. Like I said, like the, the basement scene where they're like trying alcohol for the first time and like <laughs> they have a cigarette that gets passed around for like the entire episode. That's really funny. Or how like, many letters she's supposed to buy. Right, yeah. And she's like, how long idea. have I been out? Ten seconds. <laughs> like, what? Did you do it? No. Like, that's 100% an experience I've had and I laughed at, but... I don't know that, that that sex stuff is just a little too much of a disconnect for me. It's it might good. be for some other people too. I, I'm not. I'm not going to be the arbiter of good faith. And Side moral note: and Weirdly, stuff. the masturbation episode was not in that same vein though, because that is exactly the experience I had. Oh sure, yeah. Like, once you figure out like I could jerk off, I'm going to jerk off all day, yeah. every day. Okay, I'm never going to leave my room. I'm done eating. I'm going to go jerk off. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Okay. I woke up for school. I'm going to jerk off. Yes. Exactly. It's like, just like the realization, the the visual of her looking down. Oh, and the mirror. Figure, no, no, no. I'm talking oh. about like it, she. She's like, but before she goes to bed, and she figures that part out, and then the music, that is like one of the funniest sequences, I've, in original sequences, I've seen in a long time, because female masturbation is, I mean, for, as a male, I, it seems like it's awkwardly portrayed, you know, but the way well, yeah, it was funny. It, you know, it is often awkwardly portrayed, because yeah. it's not portrayed. Like, yeah, exactly. That's, that's the whole thing. And I also, the one thing about the show, real quick, that I, I forgot to mention is how she dealt with the subtle racism, especially when she sees the... Jap- right, yeah, Maya's the, Japanese. Yeah, so. yeah, Maya's Japanese, and the in the scene of the couch where she comes home and the mom sees a beer can, it's like, whose beer is this? Looks, it's, sees it's a Japanese lettering on the bottom of the can, and assumes it's Maya's, so she has a call. And I've dealt with that in some way, shape, or form, unfortunately. So that right there was like, that's a total relatable, that was a really relatable Especially moment. at that age. Yeah, exactly. That is definitely an age where you see that kind of stuff happen openly because they're not, adults aren't as worried about doing racist shit in front of you because they might not know that you know it. But it's a polite way. It's the polite. It's, yeah, correct. Polite, yeah, exactly. It is the socially acceptable way to blame you for shit because you are dark. Yeah, exactly. So, or other. You yeah. Know. Um, I think the show is wonderful. It, like I said earlier, it hasn't. There's been no indication that it's been renewed for anything because it just premiered. It uh, it started in February of this year, so it has one season streamable on Hulu. I would urge anyone to give it a chance. Uh, I Like I said, I cannot tell you what you will or will not be comfortable with. I will only say if you are willing to suspend disbelief and accept that these are actors portraying a role, that I think there is a lot of stuff to be taken from the show as an experience of both, uh, as an exercise, rather, in both portraying a time an awkward youth that all of us, most of us experience and as an actual exercise in writing a comedy show. Like the show is funny divorced from the fact that they are 13. The show is hilarious. Like the writing is really good. The performances are really well realized. We won't talk about it too much, but there are very good guest performances and cameos and things that make make the show also interesting to see. So as a, yeah, as an exercise in both nostalgia and acting, I think the show is, it's, it's, it exceeds on all levels, and I, I would urge everybody to give it a shot. Absolutely. And and it sh- that show, to me, is one of the most original shows I've seen in a long time, just the way it acted out. And, like, when they go do the flashback, we see the progression of her from becoming youth to, like, older. It's like, when I looked them up, I'm like, wow, they do a really good job of hiding themselves as a 13-year-old. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, holy crap, yeah. It's it's impressive. Um. All right, well, we've all done one, and we all have one more to do. But real quick, we're going to stop. Uh, for, I don't know, station identification and all that stuff. And, yeah, I know, it's fun to say. And, uh, yeah, we'll hit you on the other side with the other three shows, and we'll be right back. All right, Fred, so the people at Sports Radio Detroit want us to cut a promo for Parsons and Slow. I want them to cut me a check for Parsons and Slow. Well, um, I've I've Googled some keywords, and I'm going to uh, put them here in a promo. So, so here it goes. Ready, Fred? 
Yeah, uh, analytics away. Parsons is slow. We have the content consumers crave. Listen to us on iTunes, Spotify, uh, anywhere else that podcasts are available or will kill you. We won't really kill you. Just listen to our podcast, brand new, every Friday on Sports Radio Detroit. Okay, I'm ready to do the promo. Oh, that was it. Welcome to Grave Discussions. I am your host, Barnabas. And I am your co-host, Samael. Be sure to join us on the Sports Radio Detroit Network. And you better make sure you stalk our Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Grave Discussions and go to our website, gravediscussions.net. And we're back. Thank you for your patience. Uh, it was like 12 seconds. We know. Uh, so, yeah, we are still talking underrated TV, underviewed, underdiscussed, underappreciated. And next, we are going to discuss a show that I never watched. Uh, I am really glad, though, that someone picked it because it gave me an excuse to watch it. I've been meaning to, and I am super happy with the results. But rather than me tell you about it, it was Jason's selection. So, Jason, please talk about your second underrated show. You're the worst, Dave. That's rude, man. No, that's the name of the show. Oh. Uh, it, it is. Uh, it's an FX show, and it takes. I, it's a show that basically takes the concept of romantic comedy and pushes both of those to the utmost extreme, and it's just like, here's the show, figure it out. Where you have these two characters, uh, Jimmy and Gretchen, who are at odds with their attraction for each other, and also like the show is in between all the romantic stuff blending in like what is comedy and like, how can we push that to an umpteenth degree? And how can we take like the concept of the 30 rock one liner and basically make that every line of dialogue in this show and, and what is romance? And like, what you is, are right. And then on the other side, what is love? It's examining it in a way that isn't just like, oh, but love is all encompassing and it does all these great things for you. No. Like, no, sometimes love is fucking toxic. These are two super fucked up individuals who, uh, they the show starts out at the wedding of Jimmy's ex, who is Gretchen's best friend's sister. Uh, who, oh, I can't even remember Lindsay, Lindsay's sister. Gretchen is Lindsay's best friend. Gretchen is the main female. Mm-hmm. Why can't I remember Jimmy's friend? Uh, Edgar? Edgar. Edgar. Thank you. Edgar is the other main character. So you have four primary players. Uh, Edgar lives with Jimmy, and uh, Jimmy and Gretchen are attracted to each other because they're both cynically shitting on the concept of love and weddings and marriage. And it is they are immediately attracted to each other like it is a fire relationship from step one. Uh, and it is also super, 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 super toxic. It is what happens when you have two people who have lived whole separate lives and are admittedly heavily narcissistic and heavily selfish and also very successful in their professional lives. And what happens when those two people are attracted to each other? And, like, it's pushing the boundaries of, like, what can define a relationship? What is a relationship? And, you know, can people in that situation actually make that work? And this show runs for five seasons, also on FX. 
Uh, shouts to FX, by the way, for not promoting any of your shit properly. Uh, <laughs> and this is a show that literally in season five, it, this show gets better every single season. Uh, so you have that to look forward to, by the way. And by the end of the fifth season, which just ended literally two weeks ago, it is now getting like AV articles written about it. It's getting Atlantic articles written about it. It's like, oh my God, this is the greatest show we never even realized. This is a show that has been on my radar for a couple of years now. I, I listen to some podcasts and it's oh, it was always at the top of like TV you're not watching or TV you should be watching, like those kind of things. It's a, it's definitely like a sleeper, like, you know, uh, a real, a real slept on fucking comedy. And I definitely agree that people should watch the show. Yeah, I, I, I second that. And this show has also been a radar. I've watched a few episodes here and there without but out knowing the premise also because it, honestly, uh Kather Donahue. Kather Donahue uh, Lindsay. Lindsay? I knew you'd love her. <laughs> I honestly kind of picked right, this show for you too because right, of her. Right in the the Castillo warehouse. Yeah. I'm telling you about it, ladies and gentlemen. Um but no, but seriously, I watched the first uh majority of the first season. Yeah. And I watched the pilot the pilot episode made me laugh a lot, especially the scene where she, you know, he goes off on her, the bride. But what I like about this too, it is close to reality. I mean, honestly, like yeah. if you if you really think about it, in terms of even the, there, there's parts too that make you uncomfortable psychologically. You talked about this earlier about physically, psychologically speaking. Even her going to the, the house and and then like just having that moment where she's doing the same thing, like baiting for attention, and it doesn't work on him, but it worked on Jimmy earlier. Yeah. That was kind of like, man, it's like, wow, how often does that happen where, oh, yeah, this I used to do this cute trick for, you know, a, a male or female. Now it doesn't work. That and, and like, just her not, like, doing it <laughs> as a PR agent, not, like, walking around shambles but pretending everything's okay, blissfully, or, well, you know, no one knows because she's this attractive woman, but her life around her, she just carries on and she just grits on. And that's what I like about Gretchen's character. Gretchen is a mess. Gretchen is my favorite part of that show. Yeah. Gretchen has Same. Oh, she's she's my favorite character. Have you watched season two yet? I'm halfway into season two. Okay, that season is the first season of any TV show that has literally had me like weeping every episode because it is an entire. By the, for the listeners who haven't seen this episode, it is, or this season, it is an entire season that is an arc of season of clinical depression from episode one to the episode thirteen. It is nothing but what reality is for people who have depression and living with it and. Like the people around you being affected by it, and you having to cope with like this is just who I am, and I need to like I can't. It's not just going to be all better someday. Like I I just have to accept this to some extent, and they balance it perfectly. And like the to Roger's point of the realism, it's unbelievable. Like yes, they do occasionally do like a little bit excessive things. This is still a show. It's still you know a show. I mean? it's, it's still a sitcom ish yeah. show. And there's like big jumps in time occasionally yeah. where like. You know, you see two people look at each other and then it cuts to them fucking, that kind of thing. Like, there's a yeah. gap there. Sure. But there is a lot of, like, heavy, like, sometimes your big moment doesn't go over and no one cares. And that's what More I often think is great. than not. Like, yeah. it's, the, the thing that is cool that the show does is that it does, it does well to service the end of, like, we're a show, so we need to be a show. But it, it lives in the space when, it is, when it's just kind of being, uh, you know... A, a thing about people where it's doing that really well. Like the characters talk to each other, like people talk to each other. There, there's a, a fun conversation between um, between Gretchen and Lindsay about how they're always talking about men, and they're like, "Why are we always talking about men? We should have something else to talk about." And then they're struggling to talk about it because they're 
like it's such a part of their personality where they've always had to complain about that kind of stuff. Pure genius conversation. And it's 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 a real thing. Like this is true for anybody. Yeah. Like you you have you hit walls in conversation where you're like, well, what can we talk about if we're not going to talk about the thing we always talk about? <laughs> and I I appreciate that. I appreciate that as part of what this show does so well, where it it discusses things that aren't that aren't something you immediately think to talk about, like the portrayal of love and the portrayal of depression in in relativity to everybody else in your life instead of just the, the focal point of just Gretchen. Because it, it, it is it is very much an examination of Gretchen's depression. Gretchen's depression, that's hard to say. Yeah, it is. But it also is, it's dealing with, you know, how Jimmy is dealing with that in reference to it and how her friendships are with Lindsay and, you know, and her relationship with her clients because she is a PR agent. So it, it has multiple, ramific- you know, multitudinous ramifications throughout the whole season. And I'm really, that's where I'm at right now. I'm really enjoying that. I I think the best thing about this show, though, and this sounds reductive, like to just make this like it's a comedy show, so this should be the best thing. It is so fucking funny, right? Yeah. So fucking funny, like yeah. The, the Can- one liners and the shit that people like they whip barbs at each other sometimes. Yeah, every single episode where Jimmy and Gretchen have to be in a room with Lindsay's sister and her husband, yeah, is just gold. Oh, he's like, the greatest thing ever, Jimmy, because Jimmy d- detests them, his yeah. ex girlfriend and her her now husband. Yeah, and he's open about it, but like her husband is such a doofus that he's just <laughs> aloof to it, yeah. and he just desperately wants to be friends with everybody and goes out of his way to try to be cool guy, but he's not. No, and you know where it gets to like the point where Jimmy accidentally likes a picture of his on Instagram, and the dude acts like it's the greatest thing that ever happened, <laughs> and he's all like, "I knew you'd come around, man. I finally knew we were gonna be best friends," <laughs> and it's it's that kind of weird maneuver that I think the show does in such a great way. Uh, Edgar's brunch being poached by Thomas Middleditch oh, showing up in God, a, the in a guest uh, Sunday fun day Yeah, thing? the Sunday fun day yeah. nonsense, which is like hilarious in more than one way. But this show is so well written that I'm like astonished that more people haven't watched it because if you like... Like, oh, I love comedy. Fucking Jesus, watch the show. <laughs> so fucking quick. Can I... Can I talk about a bit in season five that it's not it's not yeah no go ahead because I know it's a little heavy but like okay it was this it was a moment that was like this is what I'm talking about like this is pen fifteen uncomfortable but this is done in my opinion the right way where it's okay so uh, Gretchen and Jimmy are together again at this point and they uh, he they have sort of a semi open relationship with each other at this point they've accepted that they will occasionally make mistakes but as long as they report it it's okay. Jimmy gets blown by somebody and tells her later after proposing a fuck week where they can go fuck anybody. So she goes and fucks somebody and he's like, oh, yeah, well, I got blown before it. So and she's like, what the fuck? What's wrong with you? And she, he, he's like, well, th- we're even now. You you did your fuck. She's like, no, you, you, you did that after. Like, that's not OK. And he's like, well, what do you want me to do? And she's like, I don't know. Go suck a dick. Just get him away. And cut to like two episodes later. He is trying to whore himself out to suck a dick. <laughs> Because he thinks he needs to make it up to her, and he's with like this couple they've met as a couple, and he's with her, the husband in the group. And he's like, "I oh, gotta just like he tries to go on like dates with guys. It doesn't work. They're like, you're weird. You're just a straight guy. Like I'm not feeling this. So he's like, I wish it was just with somebody I knew. And then there's like he looks at him, and he looks and he looks at him. He looks at his crotch and he looks at him and he's like, and they they like, nods. The other guy goes and he nods too. And it's just this like four minute lowering of the head. <laughs> To suck that guy's dick with him just like having these tender moments on the way down where he's just like, look up. Like he confirms with his eyes that he wants to do this. And the guy's just like, yes. And then it like happens and you're just, you're stuck in this and they keep you there forever. Yeah. The show delights in making you uncomfortable with, with yes. the way it's shot. 
and with the subject matter. Like, yeah. it's, it's definitely trading in that pretty heavily. And like, then he comes back like a kid. He's like, I S'd a D. <laughs> and she's just like, you what? You fucking sucked a dick for me? Like, it's the greatest, like, like three-episode arc about a guy sucking another guy's dick who's not, like, who is straight. To make up for the fact that yes. he sucked, that a girl sucked his dick yes, before and, they and, were And that's open. how you take a little nugget and turn it into, like, a whole episode of a show. And it's funny that they... they Jimmy and Gretchen deal so much in this sort of like in returning favors and like absolutes. Oh, like, big well, I did this, so you have to do this, and oh, yeah. you did this first, so now I get to do this. Like it's such a shitty relationship where there's there's no trust, there's no real level of there's a certain level of respect, but it's not particularly both ways. Like it's such a strange dynamic that the two of them have, but a very real one for a lot of people. I was gonna say, and I want to say the other thing too that they do well is when to, to the end of you saying the the service that it's a show is they have a lot of these like at the end of a big arc of fights of some sort of or you know seasons of fights or whatever they will have these tender like perfect moments together sure which i think is like that's how you like like remind your audience like this is fiction because life isn't always like that but sometimes it is right you know and that's what i think is great yeah well and even you know edgar's character which i know probably develops more and more but even like just he gets stuff to do like yeah he's like it's a ptsd episode yeah there's a when he's like that is the smartest thing you've said ever i I love edgar's enthusiasm yeah he's he's really downtrodden but he's always trying to make the best of stuff oh he puts him in a (laughs) chokehold yeah just calling the guy down yeah he's like go to sleep yeah go to sleep sleep. yeah i'm not not tired yeah Did you get to the PTSD episode yet? I'm in the middle of season two. Yeah, and it's even, in season two. Yeah, I, I don't think I've gotten <laughs> okay. to that episode specifically. That but. episode was lauded by anybody who's ever been in the military. Like that's 100 percent exactly what it is. Like they get all that shit right, which they're, and they're trying. Like, that's yeah. that's what that's what the show is after. Like it is, and on the lowest aiming, budget ever. Sure, yeah, like, it's aiming for a level of realism in, uh, in shot in the hills, and that's it. Like uh, L A Hills, that's it. Like just like you that's see the, the same shit. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And even the, the scene too. I mean, what I like about Gretchen's character, and I, I'm not as far as long as you guys are, but. Uh, finished so it, uh, yeah no it's on. but uh, but gretchen's character so far to me even like the the, the, the spitting on the you know the oh yeah yeah that, that, that <laughs> oh whole, my God. That, did you yeah. spit on it yeah yeah why yeah i'm going to anyways <laughs> yeah through my tongue yeah and even jimmy's logic she used jimmy's logic on it on the, the producer dude or whatever that guy was but what i like a what i like about so far is that every time you th- like you know you think jimmy's got the one up she comes up and it's like some it's almost like borderline, well, you know, the quote unquote psycho girl or whatever. But it's like, man, she's right. And like, she knows exactly, even early on, to have that instinct to just kind of fuck with them like that. I, I honestly, yeah, it's I, brilliant. I, I know we need to kind of wrap this up. I want to say two more things. Number one, I legitimately cannot wait for you both to get to season five because season five is, it takes everything that the first four seasons does right and turns the talent level up to 11. Like, it's just. It is the most perfect season of any show I've ever seen. And I mean that 100% more than any Seinfeld, Sopranos. It can all, it, this is perfect because it is exactly what that show needed to be. And when you see it, I would actually love to hear your feedback on it. And then number two, the thing we haven't talked about at all, the soundtrack for this show is amazing. The soundtrack's really good. The soundtrack is like, I've never heard of any of these songs and I love all of them. Yeah, a lot of good indie, some good indie, like, you know, uh, indie rap and stuff on there too. Like a lot of really, I don't I don't have the artist list in front of me to, to no, portray same. it, but... Um, Definitely, oh, actually, I do. Definitely a good part. Uh, definitely a focal point of a lot of these episodes is having a really nice soundtrack to it, it, it and, the, and and songs that are like perfect for the moment. You know, like including uh, like the opening theme, which is excellent. I'm gonna leave you anyway. Yeah. Uh. Yep. You're the worst. Okay. So it's 142 songs officially. You see things <laughs> like Widow Speak, Slow Thrust, 
Charisma, Peanut Butter Wolf. Uh, Peanut Butter Wolf. Shout out to Peanut Butter Wolf. Magic fan. Bronson, Charles Watson, Molly Birch. Uh, Lyrics Born. That's cool. Oh, 100%. Lyrics, uh, yeah. Uh, Malone and Barnes, Spontaneous Simplicity, Moses and the Firstborn, Northside. I mean, I could just do this right. for an yeah. hour. But, There's uh, a Spotify playlist. There there you go. Yeah. Check it out on Spotify. It's eight hours yeah. long. Yeah. It's, yeah. And, and, yeah I, I thoroughly enjoy the show. I plan on... Uh, Watching as much as possible. Yeah, they I'm, make it I'm hard to watch. Forward. By the way, because only four seasons are on Hulu. I don't think anything's on Netflix yet. Uh, and season five, I had to watch. Season five F- just wrapped, so it, it doesn't come to streaming services until a little after. It's I gone. had to watch it on the FXX app. Yeah. Mm-hmm. By the way, FXX app. You know, FX. Please, Fox. Whatever you are now, Disney. Whatever. Get your shit together. With Figure Columbia. your shit out. Yeah, like, promote your fucking shows better. We've picked six so shows from the pantheon. I mean, Archer got a shitload of press and still yeah, does. But, but yeah, but Archer's but, just Family Archer's Guy for adults. Yeah, that but, is so reductive and not fair. <laughs> no, yeah, not, no, yeah, exactly. That is not true. And to be fair, it took Archer a minute before it got there. It did. Though. It took it like two or three seasons. It took like four. Not before they started pushing it. It was about but, season yeah, three. The point is, is we've, we, the, the three of us have picked shows, six shows from all shows that have ever been made. And two of them are on FX. Well, to be fair, like because they just don't promote this shit. Like well, they, they just have, don't. They care. have the Simpsons. I could have used, you know, I could have used some older shows, but I wanted to kind of see relevant to what's going on. Sure, yeah, I wanted to try to make stuff that was, you know, more recent, so it's easier to find. I wanted to do a show that everyone I tell has never heard of it, and that's you're the worst, and that makes me sad. Well, hopefully, people will hear of it now, and I they agree. will they will take our advice to heart and give it a listen or give it a watch. Rather, Enjoy your tears, it, listeners. Yeah, man, it's a, it's a fucking solid ass show. <laughs> yeah. uh, Roger, you have another show for us to discuss. I'm so, also excited. Yes. Uh, so this is Doom Patrol and it's based off the comic book series that was originally created uh, in the 1960s as DC's answer to X-Men or Fantastic Four, however you see the popularity to it. And it involves characters that are really, it's a, the first time we see Brendan Fraser in a long time, actually in the first time on the small screen if you will, because he's never done a TV show or whatever you want to call it. But you can find it on the DC app. It's only available on that. So DC Universe? DC Universe uh, app. So that is the only time it's available, You can, or only place where you can find the show. So this is the most niche. Yeah, it's the most niche show of our uh, sele- uh, selections here. But uh, it involves a couple of characters. So it involves, uh, first of all, foremost and foremost, Mr. Bo- one of the Bonds himself, Timothy Dalton, plays the chief. Brendan Fraser, I just mentioned, plays Cliff Steele. Matt Bomer, who was, I believe, on Suits. Yes. Yes, he was on Suits as Larry Trainer or Negative Man, if you're a superhero. Uh, Cliff Steele is also known as Robot Man. Yeah, Robot Man, yeah. Um, so, I forget uh, the girl's name. I'm just about to get to it. Oh, uh, um, so uh, Alan Turek plays Eric Moden or the Mr. Uh, Mick, no, Mr. Nowhere Man. Alan Mr. Tudyk? Mr. Tudyk, Al- sorry. Alan Tudyk? Yeah, Alan Tudyk. All right. So April Bali plays Elastigirl or the Blob, if you will, and Deanna Girl plays Crazy Jane, and she her power. So I think we want to explain, explain the superpowers. Crazy Jane has sixty four multiple person. She has sixty four different personalities, all with a different power. And then of course Cyborg is uh, there. Yeah, is there? So yeah, <laughs> let's be is, honest. Is, yeah. I, I, am I wrong? Is this a spinoff of Titans? Like it's the, kind of. Yeah. The DC, the they want, DC they tried to backdoor Titans? pilot it, uh, but they recast half of it. Okay. Uh, Chief was played by somebody I don't know who looked kind of like a fro haired. It's Jason the same Manzikas. cyborg though, right? Uh, yes. Okay. Uh, not the cyborg on Titans, right? From the live action yes. DC Titans. Yeah. Yes. Also and the yeah. same robot man and the same okay. uh, Rita. Far. I never yeah, watched Titans, yeah. so okay. I, 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 Titans I knew is that like it was the Edgelord version of this show. Yeah, I knew it was kind of a spinoff of this, though. So I, I like Titans yeah. enough, but yeah. So yeah, because Cyborg comes from Titans, but in the other, in the, in re, the there's two different carnations of it. And the cartoon version, Beast Boy, actually was originally part of Doom Patrol. So they kind of 
they've always tied together somehow tied it together. So they did that on Titans. That that's how they did the backdoor. Was okay, like, that's how Titans got Beast Boys. They accidentally end up at Doom Manor, and like uh, Beast Boy hits it off real good with uh, what's her name, the Dark Girl, like who has like dark powers. I can't remember Raven. Oh, okay. uh, did you think I was saying the other one? No. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, he hits it off super good with Raven, and like Chief is like, yeah, you should go with them. Like that's who your new family is. Yeah. So. Yeah, and, and this so the show kind of the show's way different than what that was. Yeah, like, so it, it, yeah, essentially, Doom Patrol, like the comic, has the same kind of origin where you don't. These are not your typical people in tights. So, no, you know that's what that's not. And it starts off with really the chief trying to help out these people, trying to get their lives back together. Robot, you know, Cliff Steele, aka Robot Man, becomes a robot, you know, because his body is essentially dead, legally dead. Takes his brain and puts him in a robot suit. So that's what Chief does. And Timothy Dalton's character has rolled out previous Doom patrols. And, and throughout the episode, each episode ends with patrol. So Beard Patrol, which I haven't watched a new one yet, so don't say anything. I haven't either. Okay. So they're each, you know, Therapy Patrol or whatever. Jane Patrol. Jane Patrol. And that was the best episode so That was a very good episode. And what I and what, what's great about this, you don't see a lot of like action you know it's not like what you think of heroes it's a lot of just these people coming to terms with what they are um yeah. and especially negative man who is closeted homosexual for lack of better like but he is he fights his homosexuality and his duality he has a thing that's inside him that controls him and some of the villains and characters are just like there's a street like a living Danny street. The street Danny the street is a living street it's that the was, greatest thing that was yeah. some shit man I you watched I, it? I, I watched that with you oh yeah. yeah 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 that was that was a really strange episode but it was well done and made perfect sense because everybody was welcome on the street but it could go anywhere anytime and it could be any size anything so in the comic books it's completely different yes can i add to that really quick just for one uh, moment on that episode sure. what made that episode so great because I have a lot of gay and transgender friends. Like, literally, like, half my... All my gaming friends are gay or transgender. And two of them watched this show, and they came to me in tears like, do you know how cool it was to watch a bunch of drag queens beat the living fucking shit out of a white guy in a circle for once? Yeah, it was just... Like, the the episode has just this one drag queen who's, like, six foot seven beating the piss out of a white cop straight guy who's like, you're a freak, you're a freak. And, you know, I know it's, like, been used to make emotional beats in previous episodes or previous uh, shows and movies. Like, how many times have we seen a gay character get beat up and, like, it's supposed to be emotional? It's nice to see that dynamic reversed and, like, heavily reversed to the point where it's just like, yeah, no, he's going to just lose this fight. And this show is bonkers, by the way. Like, you're, you're kind of underselling how crazy it is. Where I'm, like, I'm trying to get yeah, to it. I'm there's, like, no yeah. arc to this show, which I find fascinating. I think that's to its credit. Um, so... As, as I was saying, the the one the one of the things that stands out to me about this so, so, uh, about the show is Alan Turner's presence. He's the narrator, of the voice, so he sets the tone. Uh, there's a couple of things where he kind of essentially he pits them all against each other, but through psychological things. Like there's a there's an episode where the old Doom Patrol lost, and they made the, the, the as soon as they approached a certain part of the I think it was a donkey that was a, a piano, they all became pianos, or they, yeah, they came like where. You see these people eating the, the candy out of these cops that became like this animated. It was just some of the visuals are very stunning. Of course, you got Nazis in there, which is what always seemed to be. <laughs> well, like, of course. Yeah, yeah we, always, <laughs> we don't need the Nazis. But even like the old Doom Patrol and like how they've done it with the, like just the way it was shot. I love the way it's just it's essentially one building. I mean, with the like the 
the center or the the school they they're the manor the, the manor whatever they're hanging in. I was sorry, I got the confused with that no, no, for a second. But um, I, I what what stands out to me outside of what you were just speaking of, which is being yourself is okay, and them coming to terms with that because they're not okay with being themselves. The biggest thing I take away, especially for somebody like Negative Man, is that you see even him with, with, with the thing that's inside him, the, the power, which is his ability to just kind of go through everything and not – his powers, they're still not developed their powers yet. You don't see him come to fruition. But Crazy Jane, Diana Guerrero does a, such a fantastic job playing all these different characters that she has to be – and the way they do the powers for her is, is really cool. Like, she has a ability where she talks and it becomes metal and she uses it as a weapon. And there's all those, yeah. like, sub-characters that make her up, to make her what she is, makes it really interesting. And even in Cliff Steele coming to terms as a robot man and knowing his daughter's out there alive. I'm not going to spoil it for you, but there's just there's a lot of things that going on that it's, just, it's not your typical hero story, which is what I love about it. It speaks to the, ment- the mental state of people. It speaks to the soul of people. Just seeing how Rita Farr, what she had to do to become an actress, and just just some of the stuff. Like just there's a lot of humanity in it, and even Cyborg coming to terms with his father, who and w- w- also his mother's death. You know, so there's a lot to it, and it's honestly highly recommended. It. It's DC Universe's. I think it's like nine, eight bucks or six, maybe seven bucks a month. I can't remember. It's just the one season right now, right? Right. It's, it's, it's only not the one even season. Done. Yeah. Oh, they're still really but, rolling it out. Yeah. yeah, but if you have, if you are a reader, they have all the comic books. So every single Doom Patrol comic book and every carnation from the '60s to the '90s to the Millennium, and you find it on there. And so I would highly recommend. Also, if you were a comic book reader, take a look. And it's not a cheap X Men knockoff. So, uh, but honestly. The negative man, Matt Trainer, probably has done a fabulous job as like just as his breakout character because he's Matt Bonner. Sorry, he's talked about this on interviews how it was great to to do a homosexual character because it felt like he can add his experience. The actor himself is homosexual. Yep. Then is that where we're that, that's correct? Okay. Yep. Yeah. So to him, he was talking about how great of a role this was for him because he felt like he could just. Have total complete freedom with it. So this- I think uh, I've only watched a few episodes of this, and I watched them with you guys that yeah. one night. I watched it. Yeah, uh, I think the the thing that I took away from it immediately was that it's it, it is definitely atypical of how superhero stories are told normally, but they're definitely they're definitely taking chances with that knowledge. They're just like, well, we can show whatever the hell we want to on this, right. and I I really appreciate the way that like you were speaking to uh, the negative man portrayal and how he does a he does a nice job of having that internal conflict being part of the character and showing that through his actions on screen and stuff. And I really thought that the way they use the Jane powers is super interesting. Like there's, there's like a void inside of herself where they kind of go into and out of like the train. Yeah. Well, they pull like, that's how they get in and out. I haven't seen that one yet, but just like when one of them is like banished, that's just where they go until somehow it gets back or it doesn't. And I think that's a cool, a cool way of showing a multiple personality kind of portrayal that was fun. And I particularly enjoy her, her portrayal of that, um, and I, I she's also from Orange is the New Black, by the way. Yeah, she's been in a bunch of stuff. Orange yeah. is the New Black, uh, Jane the Virgin. Yeah. She's been on a lot of things. Um, I really like that. It's obviously, even though it is telling stories that are sort of serious to the characters, and they are getting emotional growth, and you know, like showing an evolution of how you are portraying them. 
they're also clearly not giving a fuck about a whole lot of stuff. Like this show does some weird shit in a way that I 100% endorse, you know, again, not having seen the whole show. I've only seen a handful of episodes, but I like that. It's just so big. It's just like, we're just going to do some stuff. You know, um, you would, would tell me about something, tell me about some of the, like one of the weirder things that you would tell me about. I was actually already had one ready. The, the yeah. weirdest thing that I, I found on that show, just real quick before I get into that, to, to your multiple personalities uh, thing that you pointed out, there is a whole episode that goes into the actual, her mind, the okay. underground or whatever, and there's a train, and literally okay, they're all great. played by yeah. different people. That sounds which fun. is really cool. Um, there was a two episode arc about uh, the unwritten was it the unwritten Bible or something, the unwritten book, yeah, which is book, yeah. a, a, a boy that grows up with tattoos that can summon an eye in the sky that is literally just one eye that whenever it looks at somebody, it kills them instantly. Yeah, and uh, the parents in that. Oh yeah. So the solution, which is in the next episode, it is done by Timothy Dalton and uh, Alan Tudyk, uh, so Mr. Nobody and the Chief, that they have to travel in time to make Jane make a cult that believes in the opposite of that. <laughs> so then it cuts to the future, and there is just these two cults that are the opposite of each other. Fighting for it. And then they, they summon another eye that is just the other eye, and they look at each other, and the episode they called, like, Staring Contest or something. Yeah. Oh, that's it, it is just the most nonsense solution, and they're just like, yeah, fuck it, we can do that. Like, yeah, let's travel in time. And the other thing that I, the only thing I think is to its detriment is kind of how the time works in that show, where I'm more willing to embrace that Robot Man and uh, Rita and uh, the Spirit or whatever, or the negative, what's it called? Negative Man? Negative Man. Yeah. I'm willing to embrace that they're timeless because there's all there's forces at play in the sense that Robot Man is literally just a robot. Uh, Rita Farr is made of a puddle, and uh, Negative Man is you know has this ethereal force in him. But the Chief is frustrating me because he's shown to be in the '60s, the same age he is in 2019, and also uh, Diane Guerrero is also eternal somehow. That's the only thing that's kind of frustrating to me is that they have this sort of like. We're bringing it into now, but we're literally just going to bring it into now. Yeah, that, and that, that 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 jumping makes it really jaunt. Like you don't know, like exactly because there's what, no age show. Yeah, there's like, no yeah, there's no aging. I should say show. Yeah, and I think it's because they're trying to do because the comic book goes because it's the same way the comic is because it starts off in the sixties and for whatever reason they kill everybody off. They bring it back in the eighties and they bring back certain characters they you know quote unquote killed off. They do it again in the nineties and then they bring it up to now in the new DC because DC decides every. Fucking five seconds. Oh, we're gonna do a new fifty-two. We're gonna do a new fifty-two again, and that's exactly what's going on. I think that's why. I, that's my only explanation for it. I no, think I, that's I agree. like actually a benefit. Like that's some yeah. comic book shit. That's I, yeah. I kind of appreciate that. Having not seen it, all of it to know this. Yeah. Like the one thing I always kind of wish more comic book stuff did, and Legends seems to do this, and this show seems to do this, is be fucking comic book about it. Oh, like, that, well, you can sure. be weird. Yeah. You can just jump around in time and shit because you're a comic book. That's uh, what comics. And do. I'm okay with jumping around, but what I'm not okay with is the fact that. Chief is not powerful or have any external forces. He's at Timothy all. Dalton, but yeah. he's I don't give a fuck. literally not want. shown to age for fifty nine years. He's James like, Bond. James Bond is timeless, but that's frustrating <laughs> to me. Uh, but doesn't mean that's valid. It's you valid. know, it's valid, but at the same time, isn't that the way comic books have always been portrayed? Though, Jason, I mean, right? And, and I think that you need to do that, but also if you're acknowledging all these other changes on the show, like you can't, you know what I mean? You can't pick and choose. Fair like that's frustrating. I, I don't want to use this as an example, like as us talking about how comic no. books work. No, I, th- I still think that speaking of the show specifically, I, I, and I think the show benefits from the fact that they have, 
a standard issue superhero on their team in Cyborg, and everything he tries fails constantly. That's like, funny. Yeah, he's, that's good. Yeah. He's always just like, okay, we got to go fight them, and then he goes there and like, no, there's nothing to fight. Or like, we don't. We're, we're the Doom Patrol, and he's like, what kind of stupid name is that? Like, they resent the name. Yeah, yeah. they hate everything he's about. Like, yeah. he he wants to be a superhero, and they're like, no, we are like dying like misfits or and weirdos like and- we, we, we hate our lives and like i'm 6500 years old because i you know like i have multiple personality disorder i'm a puddle i'm a brain and i'm a, a literally what amounts to a plug in a body so how about we not go fight crime like that and there's to the show's credit there is no crime on the show it's about them fighting things that are just trying to take them over and ever since it's kind of it's had a tone shift over the last like I'd say four episodes where it's become kind of Monster of the Week, which I actually really like because yeah. Monster of the Week doesn't work in most shows. It works really well in this specific setting where it's like they're trying to avoid the world. At some point, you're going to have to have them fight something. Yeah, so that, no, no, it's but, good to have. Yeah. That. But the Monster of the Week can be Danny of the Street. Sure. Like where right. it's like there is nothing to fight. Right. It's just we're going to go do a thing for a while. And like I think that's to its credit. And it's, yeah. and the one thing that we haven't touched on at all, and I think is 100% the best part of the show, <laughs> make it quick. It's, it's shot perfectly. <laughs> Like, it, does it, look, it does look beautiful. It is literally cinematic every episode. But anyways, I, I don't want to yeah, keep going. No, you're right. It, it does. It, it's nice that you brought, you brought it up because I was impressed at, at just how good the show looked for being like something I just assumed had a lower budget. Yeah, with the app, yeah, you would think with the app that what you're right, but for, it like, looks I mean, like they're putting some effort into this. Yeah, and yeah. It, it shows, and, and it, it's definitely worth seeing. Uh, if you're picking up that, I can go on for this forever. This was originally one of my picks. Like Roger and I both love this show equally. This is 100 percent a great show. So. Yeah, this is a cool show. I I will get into the rest of it at some point. I don't have DC Universe yet. I've talked about it for a while because I kind of weird. You suddenly do. I kind of want to. I kind of want to reread some of the stuff that I haven't read in a long time. So that would be cool. A nice bonus to be able to get into that. Uh, Speaking of getting into things, we're going to end the show. uh, To (laughs) I wouldn't say prematurely like this. We're going to end the show at the right time. But we will talk about my last selection, which is the criminally underrated, criminally underdiscussed, and underremembered "Dead Like Me." which was a Showtime show that ran for two seasons in the very far-flung past of 2003-2004. I I have a really weird relationship with the show in that I I watched it when it aired, and I have loved it since, and I have done most everything I can to try to force people to watch this show in the time since it's been on, and I know that it is not an easy thing to just accept like to get into right away for everyone but i feel like this show can offer a lot to people um it is another high concept weirdo show because i like those um it is about grim reapers specifically a girl who is an 18 year old girl who dies uh in a very weird and horrific way uh she's killed by a toilet seat landing or toilet landing on her from the Mir space station to throw you back to that time that was like coming out of orbit. So a piece of it fell out, which was the toilet seat. It struck her down in the street and she is dead. And instead of going on to any kind of afterlife, she is now a grim reaper. Uh, And she has to interact with other grim reapers who are also all there, not of their own volition. You don't get there because you don't get there because you want to be there. You get there because you get there. Um, The show is created by Brian Fuller who is responsible for a lot of other weirdo-ass shows. Uh, Wonderfalls, most of them also failed. Wonderfalls, the also amazing Hannibal, which I almost picked for this. And then uh, American Gods, which is currently still airing. Um, and we'll see how far that goes, because he has a, a habit of leaving all of the shows he's involved with through reasons that I'm not sure are all above board. He seems like he might be difficult to work with. But that's not why we're here. Um, 
Dead Like Me follows the story of George, who, like I said, is the main character. Her name's uh, Georgina, but she goes by George. Yeah. Um, Ellen Muth portrays her. She's This is the only thing I've ever really known her from. Uh, a couple of other reapers of note. Mandy Patinkin is uh, the kind of the main guy. He hands out most of their rube. rube. He hands out most of their actions and stuff all on post-it notes. Like it's it's very informal. And uh, the wonderful Jasmine guy, who you may remember from way back in the Love day, her. from a different world. And uh, she is excellent on the show. Everybody is really well cast. I like this cast a lot. Um, I like. I really enjoy the concept of a show about Grim Reapers. I think at times. The one thing that I don't always love about this show is that sometimes it doesn't pay enough to that. But I feel like if it would have gotten more than two seasons, they would have had more to do. Because the central part of the show is really George having to come to terms with her own death. And it also shows us a lot of her family, who is now her ex-family because she's dead, um, also trying to come to terms with that. So it pays a lot of time to her mother and her sister and her dad, who are all, you know, they're ranging from okay to kind of terrible characters. But I still enjoy the fact that we get the time to look at how people cope with loss. Like it's the whole show is definitely a a drama on its face that also happens to be funny a lot. So I appreciate that the concept is it's about death in every facet. Just the death of a family member, the death of your life, the death of your relationships, and what happens to people when they die. As these Grim Reapers are also taking people, you know, past death. So, I don't know, it's, it sounds like a lot to grasp, but ultimately the show is pretty straight, straightforward. Well, they also have this weird, like, each one of their the Reapers there is, like, sort of representative of, like, what George is trying to do. Where, like, you know, Rube is very no-nonsense, just do the job, and uh, I forget the parking control cop's name, the character name. Roxy. Roxy. Roxy That's is, Jasmine guy, yeah. <clears throat> Roxy's, like, very angry and, like, bitter about doing her job, and Rebecca Gayhart is sort of whimsical and, like... Great gas being her job to some extent. And then not Stuart Townsend is uh Mason? Yeah. 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 Not Stuart Townsend is Callum all. Callum Blue. Callum yeah. Blue's name. Uh he, he's, he's very British. Very anarchic. Like he just does all the drugs, he has all the sex, and he's well they it comes to a point that actually later he is not having sex. Yeah. And uh, it's, it's, a and it's fucking fact. him up. Yeah. But he's also an alcoholic. Uh and like they all kind of represent like parts of her to some extent because she's kind of all of these things and she's also not embracing this which i think is right she's having a she has a very difficult time adjusting to the fact that she can't do anything yeah anymore. like you know she's and an 18 I, I initially girl. thought that was to its detriment but i actually the longer it goes on the more i like okay i get it like this is just what a, an 18 year old would do like th- they would not be happy yeah it, it comes up more than once she lived no life yeah like she's she's reflecting on the life that she did live and she's upset because it sucked yeah like she did nothing and she's she now has no way to make up for it. Like there's, there's just kind of an emptiness there. I will say, in my opinion, the only down downside of this show, as much as, and by the way, this is the only one I watched. Like, it, it, I watched the other two for the for the the episode, but this is the one I'm going to keep watching because I'm like I'm almost all the way through season two. Uh, but the mother character is just annoying to me. Like, I know that they're trying to portray like you know somebody who just is kind of losing at life like she gets a divorce well she's and, imperfect i mean yeah. you know joy is her mother's name it's but. just annoying like it's just kind of an annoying she she's, never improves ever she's difficult she is difficult to appreciate yeah. in, any, in any way she, there's no change she just is the sure. same the whole again time. this it only lasted two seasons like yeah. I, I feel like given more time we would have gotten to a point where joy might not have been as insufferable but she is very difficult to get your head around at times because a lot of her actions are coming from a weird place and this is, of course, you know, having her dealing with the death of a daughter, but it also 
just she's intolerable pretty much from start to finish. Like well, she's just always miserable. And that's what's frustrating. She's not really dealing with the death either. Sure. Like that, she, that, that that is her way of dealing with it is that she isn't. Like yeah. that's that's kind of what the show is illustrating. And, and then I, they have this like weird there's a lot of you can tell that why this show fell apart because there's a lot of like left storylines that are just kind of Oh yeah. Like the whole father with the student thing, they never actually show it. Well, we or, don't get a chance to pay it off. No, but they don't show it in the like they say it just happened. Right. But they show like a student who's kind of flirty with him, by the way, criminal minds AJ Cook. Uh but then it's also hinted that he might be gay. Yeah. Like that's uh, that's irritating to me. That being said, I actually really like that this is like scrubs with murder to some extent <laughs> okay. where it's like they're just sort of like like trying to make jokes and be happy around the fact that they have to take lives. Cuz it is funny. Like yeah. there's there's I don't want to sell the show short by just saying it's like oh it's sad all the time. Like there is there is humor to be mined from this. Uh specifically in some of the minor characters. I really like uh the the other important part of the presentation of the show is that they are grim reapers and as viewers we see them as the characters that they all are but in their reality they can't just be the people that they were because they would be noticed by people that knew them and they're dead yeah so they are they all have the guise of other people that are no that don't exist or never exist or no longer exist yeah so like if there is a lot of there's a lot of time paid to george the main character going back and trying to see her family, even though she's explicitly told not to, but they wouldn't recognize her anyway. Like she sees her mom and her mom thinks she's some kind of meth addict or something because yeah. she looks totally different. Cause she doesn't look like George. She even says mom. Actually. Right. Yeah. She accidentally and calls her mom. By the way, I think the hidden treasure of the show is Dolores, but I'm literally just about to say that the, the comedy is mine from her a lot big, of the more minor stuff as in, as her, in her big, big brown, brown eyes. eyes. Yeah. Uh, Dolores is uh, George's boss at the temp agency that she works at. Yeah. The miserable temp agency that she works at, which is also like a yeah, which is also like a really nice uh, a really nice snapshot of like that corporate kind of you know multi people at cubicles structure of mm-hmm. that that droning kind of work where they have forced holiday observances and birthdays and stuff and, and no one a wants to bit do them <laughs> maybe like just to just to have that confidence to work there Ugh, <sighs> I would, no I'd, I'd die corporate um, America I Dolores is a wonderful character Dolores and, is great. And is but is also like she's kind of terrible in the way that she is very overbearing and expects people to do these things they don't want to do all the time. But she does it with a, a front facing like a, a front facing happiness that is difficult for them to deny her, you yeah. know, because she's always just constantly overbearingly positive, even though she, she herself also has a whole bunch of shit she's dealing with. Right. Mostly, mostly with her cats and her weird can and her weird and camera thing. Yeah. I, and like she has a lot of like there's a lot of little moments with Dolores where like she'll just kind of like. Like yank out, like where yeah. she'll just be like, "That sounds like a shotgun, half cocked." Like she knew a gun by yes, itself. Sound. Exactly. There's there's a lot going on with a lot of these characters that sadly you don't get paid off because no. the show ran so shortly. But I feel like given another season, this would have blossomed into something a bit more tangible for people and may have found a bigger audience. I I think of shows like Weeds that ran on Showtime for a million years, and they're fine shows. But they also got the time. Like, yeah. I watched Weeds for about two seasons and was kind of like, I don't know if I really want to watch this. But then it kind of gets good in the middle. So I feel like the that axiom of like a show isn't great until season three is definitely in play for a show like this. Even though I loved it right from jump, I feel like another year of this would have been a lot to develop a lot more of the story and a lot more of the characters, who I do like for the most part. Well, and Mandy Patinkin is just a force. And Mandy Patinkin is great. I gotta go make a sissy. I, that's the one thing I fucking hate about it. So, like <laughs> calling calling taking a piss a sissy is just it makes me cringe. It's very just saying it now makes me cringe. So weird. Speaking of cringe things, this is a this was the birth of what is now a meme of 
someone saying they hate the word moist because it was the first time oh, I'd yeah. ever encountered it. it was 2003 and now that's like a thing that everybody says like oh and I hate the word moist I'm like you didn't hate that and I feel like this I, I don't want to say it came from the show obviously I'm not going to say that except I'm saying it it came from the show yeah 100% <laughs> um, it did have a movie which is sort of like a it's sort of like a de facto finale it got a direct to DVD uh, Life After Death is the name of the movie I have not watched it um, it's fine this was in 2009 so it was five years after the show ended I was really excited to see it, and it doesn't really end the show as much as it sort of ends what that show was and leaves it open to be something else again. So it's been 10 years. I feel like in this fucking reboot culture that we are in now, it They're would, doing be, an all family it would one. be prime time. Yeah. What? They're doing an all, fam- all in the family reboot. No, I heard. I just... Yeah. What? This would yeah. be prime time for something like a dead like me to find a new audience. and On Netflix. And Come you, on, you could, bring back everything else. You could, and I think it'd be cool now because 10 years on, like, I don't think like Mandy Patinkin would do it because he wasn't even in the movie. Like He, he did the first two seasons. Again. He Well, he does like Homeland. Like, no, he, I know. He, I know. he doesn't thing, come back for things. But he quits things a sure. lot. So... I think it would be neat if you took a character like George and now she's 10 years wiser and maybe she's playing Rube. Like, she now has a worldly understanding of how this whole Reaper business goes so she can be more of the in-charge one kind of doling out doling out orders. I, I also really appreciate... I didn't talk too much about the actual Grim Reaper stuff. Uh, I really appreciate the show's... Uh, adherence to making the deaths in the show as ridiculous as possible. Oh, Final Destination the show. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They're, they're all like super Rube Goldbergian fucking nonsense deaths. Yeah. Um, where they're, you know, like a whole bunch of stuff has to happen in order for this, like they could see the things going in motion. Gravelings. Because there is a, there is a weird plot construct with Gravelings being these unseen things that only the Reapers see that cause mischief and cause death. I'm not super keen on that, but I guess if you have to show the death happening, that's one way to do it. Um, but I do though like that they are instead of just killing someone outright, they are finding really weird ways to get things to drop on someone, you know, or have them trip over something and then they're beheaded. Like it's a whole lot oh, of weird the, shit going the on. The neck guy, the yeah, chop guy, who was uh, an actor who's in everything. I can't remember. Yeah, his I name. can't remember his name. Either. But uh, no, I do like that they do both. Like because every time I start to be like, okay, I get it. Like everybody falls off a thing, bounces off a thing, and lands on a knife. Like that kind of gets annoying at a certain point. They will stop and do like. Uh, What's his name? Mason will just hang out with an old lady as she passes. Right. Like, it just, it's like, yeah, no, people die weirdly and people die normally, and yeah. they're going to do both. And it shows both. And I I appreciate its, uh, its attention to that sort of nuance, that it doesn't yeah. always have to be a spectacular death. It doesn't have to be getting hit by a toilet. Sometimes you pass in your sleep. Yeah. You know, and that's, and it deals with all that. And it deals with it on a very personal level. Like, they're, these characters, you know, as much as George has, a, has trouble um, acclimating to her own death, she also has difficulty initially being a reaper. Like she doesn't want to take these people's lives because they're being denied stuff that she was too. And and sometimes it's really affecting. Her punishments are like nightmare inducing. Like the one uh she just doesn't go to one and the guy has to be in his body through his own autopsy. Yeah. Which is whoa. Like yeah. they don't even show it that much, but just the concept will stick with you. Yeah, for even a while. the even the implication that your soul has to remain you are in some way alive while the rest of you is dead and you're seeing your death and being operated on while you yeah. can't move or anything. It's very it's very unsettling. Yeah. That and and that's that's smart that's the show at its smartest in my opinion. It's like, yeah, no, you can't just say no to things. Sometimes you have to do your job. Uh, I would actually like to give a shout out also because Rebecca Gayhart was only in the first five episodes. Yeah, she gone. She left after Brian Fuller left also at the at the end of the fifth episode and was replaced uh by the character Daisy Adair. 
uh, as played by Laura Harris, who's always just talking about the famous people she fucked in the twenties, which is just a, a, it's a nice character beat, but she blew Humphrey Bogart, you know, but she's sad too, because, you know, of course she also never felt like she was loved and there's all, there's a whole bunch of sadness around the show. I don't want to end it like on a super downbeat, but what is nice about the show and why I liked it so much is that through all of the characters, you know, kind of their untimely demises and through the deaths of all these people that they are also kind of untimely demising. There is a there is a level of hope that is sown through each episode and through each of the character arcs where there is a there's a possibility that things can be okay in life and in death and in the life of your death that is it's kind of inspiring in a really awkward kind of offbeat way and I I really feel like if the show had gotten another season or two it could have done more to elaborate on that and would have made would have had a payoff for more of more of the time they spent trying to make that the central conceit. There was a lot of balls in the air, to be honest. I mean, sure, you, there's you a had lot Reggie going on. putting toilet seats in a tree. That oh, her just, sister. I mean, mention her sister. Yeah, but yeah, it just dropped in season two. It's just kind of gone. Like I feel like that might well, have. She goes to right. therapy. So yeah, but like they don't yeah. show them taking it out or anything. No, they don't they, because they didn't get a chance. Uh, to. Same with the dog, kind of there and then not there in some episodes. You're mm-hmm. like, was that forgotten? You know, by the accounts that I've read from looking around about this show, is it was a very tortured. Like production, yeah, it didn't. It didn't have the best production. That was why Brian Fuller left. He butted heads yeah. at Showtime with the producers, thinking that they want to take the show in a different direction, and he didn't want to do some of this stuff. So he, you know, creative differences, the catch-all term here. But it's Roger. What was your like experience with this? I, I only watched a few episodes, and I watched it a little while ago. I realized because I originally, so my originally, I didn't see the update was my crazy ex-girlfriend. So I watched that, but. <laughs> But I remember watching Dead Like We'll me. save that for a different Yeah, episode. we'll save that for a different episode. But We can uh, always just do this again. Trust me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, Jasmine Guy, who I haven't seen him much since, um, was one part of the show. But I only watched, honestly, it's been, it's been a while. It's been close to 12 but years. But you remember ago. liking yeah. it, right? Yeah, I do. I remember liking it. About it. Yeah, because it was something like, because it was around the same time Weeds was on when Weeds got started. Or toward yeah, the tail they ran out like, around the same time. Yeah, and I chose that over Weeds because I thought Weeds was just, I mean, Weeds now, I guess it's good, but I don't know. It's okay. It's okay. Sexy it was, it was fine. Yeah. So, um, no, but I, I did like the show. I, I It was a long... You know, I used to... Somebody used to get this confused with the HBO show um, Six Feet Under. Sure. And I thought that it... Like, I I watched the show. I'm like, That's, it's okay show, but this was better than totally that show. Totally different yeah. show. Yeah, totally different. I think different, Six Feet yeah. Under is great, but it's it's different. And yeah. That, that's been lauded to death. Like that yeah, gets, thank you. Yeah, That show gets say. all of its credit. It's all deserved. And, I, yeah, and, and, and that's a great show and everything, but this show, I thought in the same vein of like underground to what should have been a lot more. I thought the show should have deserved a better fate. I agree. I did think it was frustrating that when they showed uh, Roxy's death, it was a murder. Yeah. And there was no Reaper there. And that was just left alone. Like it was like a huge loophole. I'm like, wait, so, huh? Well, that was frustrating. There's a possibility that that may have been explained, but we'll never know. Yeah. So I, I am holding out hope that this show finds a way to get some sort of, some sort even of closure. It. I don't care. I wouldn't even care if you recast it. Like, honestly, I I like the concept. I like the idea of Grim Reapers being Grim Reapers. They do have fun with it in a lot of episodes where they're, you know, on Halloween, everybody gets to be seen as themselves. So they have to kind of be careful of how they're doing things as Reapers. But there is some hijinks that happen and throughout the show, you know, with those characters. And they, they all play well off each other, too. Like the Reapers, you know, at, as the central characters all end up having a good time kind of playing against each other and there's like a nice kind of father-daughter relationship between george and rube and sort of like a combative wife relationship with him and roxy and it's it 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 does really well the the cast is really good at interplaying 
you know, bouncing off of each other and having having the show have a lot of heart while also having a good time. And I don't know. It's kind of a feel-good show, ultimately, despite being all about death. But I don't know. I kind of wish more people would watch it. It's uh, it's on Hulu. That's where I watched it again, for sure. I watched and it on Amazon Prime. It's also on Amazon Prime. So you can find that show. It exists for you to watch. And it's not that long. It's two seasons. Um, yeah, man, we talked about a lot of stuff. We got mm-hmm. six shows. All of which we heavily endorse. We that's the over under fair stamp of approval, three ways. Uh, but we're gonna take off to go give you more time to watch some of this television. Jason, I want to thank you for being here again. It's been a while. Happy to be back. Is there anything you would like to plug before we get to the rest of our plugs? Not yet. Uh, Spinning the wheels has been on hiatus for a while, and with the news of Eisner coming back uh, as GM yesterday, uh, it kind of revitalized some of my co-hosts. So we'll probably be back. I'm hoping midsummer, uh, but if not at least next season. Uh, but that's the only show I work on anymore. Anything you want to plug in, like, any of your Overwatch stuff? Jason, hardcore Overwatch player and fanatic? Uh, no, because my streams are for me. I do okay. I do stream on Twitch, okay. uh, but I don't I do not do it to accrue an audience. I do it to worry watch. So it's about the art. No, it's like a psycho. <laughs> I'm obsessed with my own play. That's fine. That's fine. Uh, Roger, what do you got for us? Uh, so check out the latest, uh, the quote-unquote reboot of Counting Tracks, as uh, we got Megan Reardon and Aaron Gonzalez, who did a show before that was on uh, that used to do a host podcast, uh, which I can't remember the name of it now. I'm drawing a blank, but uh, sorry, Aaron. Yeah, sorry, Aaron. No offense. Um, but wasn't uh, <laughs> this was track obsessed? Track track addicts. Track addicts. Yeah, 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 yeah. There you go. So track addicts. So he was on track addicts, but uh, his partner, who is the producer for 97, wants the ticket for the Valenti show. Big oh. Will. So that's that's who his, who his podcast partner was. So. Anyways, still uh, uh but we've started a show. We just did REMs, 1991's REMs, uh, Out of Time. We talked about the Red Hot Chili Peppers, uh, One Hot Minute a little bit, our last tracks, which includes the Spotify playlist. So every episode we do, cool. there'll be a Spotify playlist you can check out. So go to sportsradiodetroit.com, click on, counter, look for counting tracks and the episodes, or excuse me, the catalogs. And all of the wonderful yeah, shows. Yeah, and all the wonderful Radio shows. Detroit. And if you like baseball, I do a t- weekly Tiger show uh, every week. So uh, follow me at Twitter on Rajcast81. And you can follow us on Twitter at OverUnderFair. And email us yeah. at OverUnderFairPod at gmail.com. Hit us up on our Facebook page. We're doing stuff over there. I have some stuff to roll out in the next couple of weeks. That'll be fun. We did uh, We did an appearance on another one of our our favorite shows here at Grave Discussions, where we're me and Roger were there talking about Alien, that this will be out after that, but it'll still exist. So please listen to it. And uh, Jason, did you have something else? To I say? forgot I have a social media stuff. Oh, uh, yeah, I am I'm, I'm now jumping ham on Twitter. Okay, uh, I'm also jumping. Ham no wonder on why Instagram. I couldn't tag you on Instagram earlier. I yeah, like, oh, I'm oh, jumping ham on both Twitter and Instagram. Okay, <laughs> I've, uh, check out Jason there. So many people on PS4 saw JM Pink Ham and called me Jumping Ham, and I just was like, I wonder if Jumping Ham is available. That and it was available on everything. Sense. Yeah, that's that's solid. That's, yeah, yeah, that that's linear thinking. <laughs> so it does look like that. I am now jumping ham. Okay, I am now jumping out of here. And, <laughs> uh, jumping rolled for, out. <laughs> for Jason and Roger, I am Dave. Thank you guys again for listening and check us out on all that stuff. Rate and review on Spotify, iTunes, Google Play, and all that nonsense where you find our shows. And yeah, man, we'll be back. So happy watching.